Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. So today I'm going to jump into... Uh, our relationship renovation series. And I'm going to read a scripture to start us off, if that's okay. You can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. And uh, you can either look, I think it's coming up on the screen. Yeah, here it is. Or you can uh, look in your own uh, Bible, paper Bible or online, wherever you are. And it says, then Jesus says to the disciples, this is really cool. He says, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you really must believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you've received it, it will be yours. Okay, these are amazing statements that Jesus wants us to take literally and seriously. But then he goes on to say, But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins also. So what is Jesus communicating in this teaching and in this passage? He's communicating this, the faith that is needed to move mountains, this amazing, think of the most incredible thing, the incredible sign of faith, and that's a mountain moving, right? So that's right up there. If you saw a mountain moving for someone prayed, you'd be like, okay, that's maybe in my top three, all right? (laughs) But what he says, he, he elevates the miracle of a relational harmony to the same level. He's saying, Faith that moves mountains, that is so important. You know what else is important? How we treat each other, how we get along. If we're holding a grudge, or as people say, nursing a a grudge. Have you ever looked after a grudge? Have you ever nursed it? Have you ever said, oh, here you go. Here's some treats. I want you to grow stronger and stronger. We've done that, haven't we? We've nursed, nursed a grudge. So Jesus is elevating the idea and the concept of Loving one another. You know what Jesus says? Another thing that he says? This is how you'll know that you're my disciples. If you what? Love one another. And so we don't diminish the spiritual power of getting along. It's a miracle. People getting along is one of the greatest miracles in life. Families getting along. Communities getting along. Who knows? You've been in a relationship. Getting along is a miracle. And so this is what Jesus says. So right now we're going to do a little bit of an exercise. Who here has ever been in an argument or a conflict or a situation which was difficult? Has Everyone's probably had, had that in some way. Okay. So imagine you're preparing for your next difficult conflict, right? And here you've got your notebook and you've got your pen, right? And so what I want you to write on, imagine that you're writing, on the top of this notebook is this. 
stuff I want to do and say in a conflict. All right, so right now I'm going to actually get, this is going to be interactive. I'm going to, what is, if you're preparing, what would you like to say? In a, and what would you like to do? So you're preparing for your next argument. You've got your notepad, you've got your pen, maybe you've got a coffee, maybe you've got a, a kombucha, all right? You're sitting down, you're getting ready for your next conflict or argument. What are you going to write on the, the page? So give me some things that you would hope to do, stuff that you would hope to do and say if you're in the middle of a con- conflict. Yeah? Is anyone bold enough to say? Yes, young man. Okay, you're kind of a little off track already, but yeah, I appreciate the honesty, yeah. You want to pray, all right, that is awesome. Thank you, that was much more helpful than that other gentleman who happens to be my dad. You want to apologise, you want to you wanna say sorry. What else have we got? We've got some good momentum now, yeah? We've got some good momentum. What else have we got? What would you like to do? Would you like to, yeah? You would like to say how you feel. That's good. All right. What else would you like to do? Anyone like to listen and understand? Yeah? Yeah? So we've got a couple of things. I don't know if you've ever thought about that thing. Here's a couple of things that I've written. I've prepared earlier. So pray. Yes. Top of the class. Amen. I'd like to listen. Here's one thing I'd like to do, remain calm. All right? Co- collaborate on a positive solution. What well, I'd like to do that. Who thinks that would be good? What about understand their perspective and assume their best intentions? All right? So this is what we do. If we are preparing for our next conflict, next I want you to get your... Imagine that you're getting your your notepad up again. And then I want you to write a list of stuff you actually do and say in a conflict. Stuff you actually do in a say. So things that you want to do and stuff that you actually do do. And sometimes your conflict, if we're honest, it is a bit of a do-do, isn't it? It It does get a bit messy and a bit stinky, all right? So what would you... Act, things you actually do. And if you're sitting next to somebody who, maybe a, a good friend or someone you're in a relationship with, you can maybe kind of maybe nudge them and kind of... So what are the things that we actually do? So I know that we want to pray. I know we want to collaborate. I know that we want to assume our, the best intention. But then when we get in the midst of the conflict, what do we do? Here's some things. You, you, you are awesome. You are crushing it today. So here are some things that we do. We blow up. Or is this, maybe this is just my, my list. All right? We get defensive. We bring up their past. You're just like your mum. You're just like your dad. You know what? You've told me one thing that's wrong with me. How about this? I've got three things that are wrong, wrong with you. In fact, I don't have three. I could keep going. I've got five things. And you know what? I was waiting until you brought up one of the things 
for me before I could tell you these five things that are wrong about you. Are we being real here? Are we being honest, right? So here's another thing that I could do. I could fire up, I could blow up, or I could withdraw. I could just go quiet, and I can withdraw emotionally, and I can withdraw physically, and I can say, you know what, I'll, we might be able to talk about this in about two weeks, all right, because I'm just going to shut down. And I'm going to show you. <laughs> and then this is, this is probably like, can, can I be real? Like speaking out of frustration, that's, that's a bit of my thing, all right? When I get a bit pushed. Can I say that? No one's left the building yet. <laughs> Beck's still here. Speaking out of anger and frustration. Maybe for some of you, you're like, this is... I'm just on the first list. I don't even know what you're talking about, Andrew. I'm just like, I just pray and remain calm. And anyway, the other thing that we do is we lose control of our mind with worry and we just cycle. And so we say, all my emotional energy, instead of using that to find a positive solution, I'm just going to whirlwind and I'm just going to spin out of control and I'm just going to let this dominate me not just for the next half an hour, but maybe for a couple of days. Maybe I'm going to replay the scenario. Maybe I'm going to have an imaginary conversation in my head. Maybe that imaginary conversation is, is me going to say some things that I wish that I had said in the moment. So we've got two lists, the things that we want to do, and then we've got the things that we do do. Okay? Why... Don't we do and say the things that we want to say for most of us that we know are good? Why don't we? Why don't we? And the answer to that is found in uh, what makes an explosion, right? Because we usually explode, right? So I don't know if you know this, but there are three things that make an explosion. The first one is fuel. The second one is containment. All right, and this is a thing that sometimes we don't realize the effect of containment, proximity and pressure. And the third one is a spark. So here we go, we've got a can of petrol. All right, have we got the team ready with the fire extinguishers? No. So we've got a can full of petrol. Now, if I poured this petrol out and I lit a match, there would be a fire, but there wouldn't be an explosion. All right, you, you're kind of familiar with this. But if I left it in this container and did some kind of a fuse or a wick and then lit that up whilst it was in this container, uh, container, then there would be some kind of explosion and the effect would be more dangerous. Now, we need to realize that a lot of the time, why we can blow up, why we can withdraw, all the things that we do that we didn't prepare to do, that we're not proud of, that usually we have to clean up the mess afterwards, right? 
and the mess sometimes of our response is greater than the original situation that we were reacting to. Who, who would agree with that? The reason that we do that is because of pressure. It's because pressure and proximity. Who knows that at the moment, probably particularly with COVID, we have a lot more pressure. So you take a family of five and you get them to live in one house together and the kids to go to school in that house and the parents to try and work whilst homeschooling the kids and keeping them occupied. So that's just our story. All right, there's a bit more pressure and we have to understand and recognize the effect of that pressure. Now, for me, as a preacher and as a communicator of the Word of God, the hardest thing about what I do is not researching, studying, praying. It's actually living these messages. All right, because I have to live this to be able to preach it with conviction. Otherwise, I'll be a hypocrite. And living a message around this and dealing with pressure and, you know, all these kind of things for, for us, God spoke to me. And one of the points that I'm going to share later, God actually got me to road test whilst our family was in the middle of COVID isolation. So we are tired. We are sick. We don't have energy. We are stuck together. And we had just recovered from a tummy bug that had gone through our family into COVID. And so we're like, okay, well, not again. And so we're in our house for two weeks together. And it's this time that that God begins to speak to me and says, okay, here's one of your points. I want you to live this before you preach it. And I'm up for that because that's transformation. In fact, our connect groups are actually based on encouraging each other to live out the word of God rather than learning new stuff. If I had a choice between reading a book and actually putting into practice something from that book, any book, I would choose, I would just rather read another book. And I think for many of us in churches, we are addicted to learning and we're not as committed to obeying. So Jesus says, in his, when, he, when he's leaving, he says, make disciples and teach them to obey. What is he saying? He's saying, teach them to live out the messages. He says, don't just teach them, teach them to live out the messages. So this is what we're doing and this is part of it. So we are talking about relationships under pressure. Now, the true test of a relationship is under pressure. You've got a lot of relationships, but if you want to test that relationship, you need to add those three things. You need to add fuel, containment, and a spark. And see what happens. But unless you have that containment, that pressure, you won't get an indication of the strength of that relationship. And so some of those moments we can say, hey, we can reflect on them and say, hey, I didn't quite handle that the way I could. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how we can help and how we can help prepare you for your next pressure test. So here's what we do. We have the idea of things that we want to do, and then we have what we actually do do, right? What's the difference? And why don't we follow our plan? And the reason is 
that when we are in those circumstances, we emotionally justify bad behavior and poor choices. And what we're saying is, because of what has happened to me, I know what's, what is right, but because of what's happened to me, I reserve the right to you fill in the blank. I reserve the right to be upset at you. I reserve the right to worry. I reserve the, the right to swear. I reserve the right to be angry. I reserve the right to be frustrated. So it's not rational or logical, but it's in a, a purely logical way, but in an emotional way, it's justified. We emotionally justify our bad behavior and our poor cha- choices. Here's, here's something that is a truth. I don't know if you're ready for it, but all of your poor choices that you've made, you've emotionally justified them. You've rationalized them emotionally in your brain and you are responsible for them. Okay? But we want to talk about what we can do instead. Now, when we emotionally justify our actions, here's how it comes across. We think that they're reasons. Other people think they're excuses. You know, you've got that different perspective. And they're saying you're excusing your poor choices and bad behavior. And, and, you, and that's, how, that's what it feels like on the other side. But internally, you go, no, these are just my reasons. So it comes across as excuses, but within its reasons. And we are good at lying to ourselves and emotionally justifying poor choices. And we're especially vulnerable in five different situations. When we're bored, lonely, anxious, stressed, or tired. That's actually psychologically in those times, our brain thinks those things are threats to our survival. And so kind of funny things happen in our brains and we make poor choices and we're usually looking for some kind of out or some kind of uh, release or some kind of whether that is uh, by saying something, by venting, by being angry or sometimes by looking uh, for pleasure in the wrong places or in unhealthy or unhelpful ways. Now here's what we know. You will do damage to your relationships if you emotionally justify poor behavior under pressure and poor choices would would you agree you will you will do damage if that is your pattern if that is what happens and so i think we could all say hey under pressure in a relationship particularly in an important relationship i haven't always turned up in the best way who who would agree with that Okay, just me. That's encouraging. (laughs) But today, we're going to look at one of the most high-pressure, if not the most high-pressure situations, and that is Jesus on the road to the cross, on the cross. And if you want a scenario or a situation when someone was under pressure, we're going to start with an extreme, and we're going to look at Jesus's pressure points on the cross and how he responded as a pattern for us and also to empower us to be different. 
when I think of the crucifixion, I don't, I, I don't feel I'm actually qualified to communicate it, if I'm honest. I, I, I cannot comprehend the suffering, the agony. I, I just feel like I'm totally, I, I cannot do that moment justice. Here's some things that we know from history and historians and the early church. Even one aspect is Jesus being scourged. Okay, it's described as a flagellum. And what it was is a whip with pieces of rock and bone. And historians and early church writers actually describe that ripping the flesh in such a way that internal organs were shown and deep veins, bones and cartilage were left exposed. Like, I, 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 can't, even, I can't even communicate to you the, the pain and the depth of suffering. This is what Jesus endured. This is the type of pressure. If we're talking about being under pressure, this is like, you know, your your body is exposed, the inside. You can look into somebody's body. This is it's I find it uncomfortable to talk about and I don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it. But Jesus under pressure, let's have a look at at nine different things in brief from Luke Uh, 22 and 23, he was betrayed by a friend, a close friend, someone that he had spent his whole three years together, super close, traveled together, ate together, gone around, probably slept in the same room together. And he was betrayed by a friend. Now, as I'm reading this, I also want you to think about times when this has happened to you. But the way that this happened to Jesus, it was at the extreme level. He was physically assaulted. His gifting was diminished. People mocked him and said, blindfolded him, hit him and said, prophesy. Tell us who hit us. His, he was, his gifting, his, his, an, they tried to diminish that. They didn't do that, but that's how it could have felt. He was verbally abused. He was falsely accused. I don't know about you. What happens when you're falsely accused? Does something within you fire up and you've got to right that wrong? You've got to respond. Is that a pressure point? He was trivialized. Herod, the same Herod who had killed his cousin, John the Baptist, lopped his head off, brought him in and said, hey, I, I want... I want him to perform for me. I'm hoping that he'll do a miracle to entertain me. He trivialized Jesus. He was publicly humiliated. He was overlooked by Barabbas. They said, choose between Jesus and Barabbas. Barabbas actually means son of the father, which Jesus was the real son of the father. And they said, choose the son of the father and ignore the Son of God, the Son of Father in heaven. And he was physically exhausted. Now, when have you experienced those things at whatever level and used that as part of your decision-making for how you respond? Have a think about that. Have a look at those 
list. Let's go back to the one before. Have a look at that list. I'm not saying that those things, these things that happened to you were right. I'm just saying what happened next. All of those things, that next list there. I think for me, I've felt times that I have felt diminished as a person. I think there are times that I have felt falsely accused and I didn't always handle that. I wanted to try and fix it in a way that wasn't healthy to clear my name. When have you experienced this and how did you respond? Maybe if you could choose one of those that say, hey, if I'm honest, Andrew, one of those really pushes my button. One of those is a real pressure point for me. When that happens, I lose all control and I explode. That's a containment. That's a pressure point for me. And let's look at what Jesus did. There's five responses that Jesus had under pressure. One from the first five are to the rulers. He says, you say that I am. You have said it to Pilate and to Herod. He said nothing. So they said, you're the king of the Jews. He said, you say that I am. Pilate said, you're the king of the Jews. He says, you said it. And to Herod, he said, absolutely nothing. Did he try to clear his name? Did he try to prove that he was the son of God? No, he didn't. But there's two other things and two conversations that Jesus had. One with a group of mourners who were probably professional mourners, probably not who he knew that they could have been. And the other was a conversation that he had on the cross. And in those moments, Jesus did not allow his pressure to impact his mood or mission. Let me say that again. When Jesus was under pressure, he did not allow that to impact his mood or his mission. Let's unpack this with this scripture. In Luke 23, 28, there's weeping, there's wailing, there's mourning. And Jesus says, don't weep for me. He didn't seek self-pity. He didn't go full emotional meltdown. Just in that moment, he said, don't weep for me. Because he knew, connected to this, that this was part of his mission, the next one. This is what he says to the soldiers on the cross. Can you imagine the people that are, have done all these things to him? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't. Why? Because that's his mission, to reconcile us to Jesus, to reconcile us. And he said, I am not, because of my pressure, I'm not going to surrender my mood or my mission. And here's what we often do. Here's a remote control. And just say that Naomi, uh, sitting in the front row, say that she's my circumstance or say that she is a conflict, um, whatever. Here's what we often do. When we are under pressure, we give control of ourselves to our circumstance. And then we say, circumstance, you tell me 
how I should feel. Circumstance, I have now empowered you to control my mood. Guess what? Something bad happened to me that wasn't right. And now I'm going to let that control me for the rest of the week. I'm going to let that control my emotions. I'm going to let that control, not just in this situation, I'm not going to let that control how I, how I deal with you, how I deal with you. And I'm going to just have surrendered my control and given over the ownership of my mood and my mission. I can't do what I, what I need to do this week because of the circumstance. Now, it seems funny to say that because when we play it out like this, it's rational, but we're not talking about ration in terms of logic. We're talking about emotional justification. Now, if we were all to say again here, are we cool with that? Should I, because of what has happened in this situation over here with Naomi, should Twinkie have to bear the brunt of that? Do you think that's fair? Do you think that's good for her? Do you think it's good for me to have lost control of myself because of what happens to me? No, we don't. And so we want to encourage each other to have a different experience. We're almost done here. I want to give you three rights. Do you remember I said that we reserve the right to do whatever we, we want to do? because of our situation, I want to give you three rights that you can reserve. The first is this, reserve the right to be kind. If you are not kind to me, I reserve the right to be kind to you. What do you think? I'm going to say that again. If you are not, you, how I think about you, how you think about me, does not decide how I think about you. Pretty simple, right? So if you're in a situation where you are in a pressure situation, here's what I want you to think. I reserve the right to be kind. This is the thing that God gave me during my pressure time. I reserve the right to be kind. If I'm not feeling myself, if I'm pushed, if I'm still having to work hard while being quite ill with COVID, I reserve the right to be kind. The second is this. I reserve the right to suspend judgment. This pressure situation, I reserve the right not to be the deciding factor around this person. Is that That's what we would hope that people would think about us when we're not at our best, right? But that's what Jesus did on the cross. He was kind. He was kind to the soldiers and he said, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what we're doing. Like we know Jesus is a judge and is just. But he said, I'm, I'm going to suspend my judgment. The third thing is this. I reserve the right to choose my own response. Now what the contrast here is letting your circumstance choose your response. I am not saying that uh, you have to allow people to, at all, to abuse you in any way. That is not this message. I'm just saying, don't let them control your response. You make your own response. 
And sometimes we can feel a pressure to do what they want us to do or to think a certain way or sometimes we can react in a way that is unhelpful. But Jesus says, what you're doing to me, I reserve the right to choose my response. Is that good? Awesome. Three things. Take a moment. Which of these could you take into your week and say, hey, I want to choose one of these and I want to put that on repeat in my mind and I want to prepare. Which one of those? The right to be kind, the right to suspend judgment, or the right to choose your own response. We'll pray. We're almost done. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross. We thank you that you showed us how to behave and how to live under pressure. And God, we want to reserve the right to be godly. We want to reserve the right to imitate you. We want to reserve the right to be kind, to suspend judgment, and to make our own choices. We don't want to let our circumstances dominate our mood or stop us from achieving our mission. And so we commit that to you. Jesus, we thank you for what you did on the cross, but also we know that you are here with us now in this room and that you said your spirit would help us be you, to represent you, to turn up like you in any situation and any circumstance. And so, God, we just pray. Why don't you take just 20 seconds, just open open your your uh, your hands, just like you're receiving a gift, and say, Jesus, if this is you, Jesus, help me do this in the pressure situation because I lose my mind and I don't represent you. Help me not give away control of my mood and my mission. And God, we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.